welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Troy McClung, and glad to be uh, with you all for another episode here. Seems like August is going by in a blink of an eye. As I'm trying to do two podcasts a month, I looked at my calendar and realized, oh my goodness, it is already the mid of August, and I have not released my first podcast for August. So apologize for that, and apologize to Jamie Miles in advance. He's next up on our, our list, and uh, so he's... Uh, was patiently awaiting for me to release this podcast. So Jamie, I apologize, but here you go. Uh, Quick updates before we dive into the discussion with Jamie. Uh, Here lately, we've been dealing with rain. It's funny, I think the last time I came on the podcast, we talked about the drought. We had gone four weeks total without any measurable rain whatsoever. And now, in the last two weeks, I believe we've had all the measurable rain we can handle. And Tropical Storm Fred is coming our way. In fact, uh, the time of recording this, he's supposed to show up uh, within the next 24 to 48 hours, I believe, over West Virginia. So we'll see uh, We'll see what that looks like. Hopefully that's not a lot of rain. A couple inches we can handle uh, as long as it's spread out a little bit. And uh, speaking of rain, what I was supposed to be doing this week was uh, operating an excavator. I had rented one for the entire week to do some work here on the farm, to do some improvements to get some water management taken care of, ironically enough. But that has been postponed due to the weather. There's no sense in bringing in a piece of heavy equipment when it's just going to rain and rain and rain, because here in West Virginia, you just make red clay mud, and then you can't do anything. So we're going to forego operating the excavator. I think we may wait a couple weeks, may even wait step into September when things maybe cool down and dry up a little bit. Hopefully, we'll see. All right, so to dive in with our interview is, as I mentioned, is Jamie Miles. Jamie is kind of new to pastured piggery, but he's not new to farming. And I think you'll, uh, I think you'll appreciate what he has to say here. He'll pick up on, on some of the experiences he's had in other areas uh, and then his foray into to pastured piggery. So we'll, uh, we'll let him uh, take over. He's with Seven Stands Farm in North Carolina. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastured Pig Podcast. Uh, this evening, I, uh, we travel to North Carolina to talk with Jamie Miles of Seven Stands Farm, who's, um, who would, would say that he's just kind of venturing into a pastured piggery here in the last year or so. So welcome, Jamie. How are you today? Oh, I've had a, a good day. It's been uh, quite warm here and dry, but uh, it's been a good day. All right. So whereabouts are you in North Carolina? I live in western North Carolina. If you're familiar with uh, Appalachian State, uh, Mountaineers football, then uh, I live about, I don't know, 40 minutes from them, a little bit uh, west of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Appy State. Um, when I was at Marshall way back in the 90s, they, um, they would play Appy State from time to time, it seems like. All right, so um, tell me a little bit about Seven Stands Farm. Give me that 40-foot elevation view of it. Well, Seven Stands Farm, the name came from, uh, we originally started with uh, honeybees. Me and my dad had been kind of a hobby 
So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, about your farm setup. What um, you, you said you had some honeybees prior to that, and, and uh, you, what's the what's the layout of your farm? Um, you kind of size wise infrastructure that type of stuff. So you're just just kind of acquiring them as they come available. As you're looking for, are you looking for a specific breed? What what's your motivation there? kind of, um, I won't say a novelty, but just to try something different. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's that, of course, is the motivation to keep going and, and expanding and adding some uh, additional elements there. So that's good. So, so it sounds like you've got, uh, between the acreage you have and what you lease and the family land, it sounds like you've got quite a bit of opportunity to expand there uh, in your pig operation if you need to get bigger or your goats or your, your bees or, or whichever. So it sounds like you've got that covered pretty well. But um, so why, why last year during the pandemic was that the deciding point for the pigs? Was it just simply because your buddy was going to Virginia and, and you thought, well, now's the time? <laughs> I had watched videos of homesteading and videos of pigs for, you know, just honestly years and wanted to do maybe, uh, you know, pastured poultry for my own personal use. Then I kept saying, well, I want pigs, and every time I just kind of backed out or, or just didn't really pull the trigger, so to speak. And I think the pandemic may have kind of pushed that over the edge a little bit about being somewhat sustainable. I mean, I don't expect that I'll ever raise every bite of food that I need for myself, but, you know, I, I am happy and proud to be able to do, you know, at least part of, of what we can eat or even can, you know, the farm can maybe make a little extra income or sell, you know, as well. I think the pandemic really had a little bit to do with kind of pushing me over the edge. And then the opportunity kind of just was there at the right moment as well. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the stars aligned, I guess, so to speak. I got you. So when you were talking about uh, your, your goats, had you been raising goats for a while? And is that just for your own personal consumption or are you selling that meat? Actually, we've been raising goats. I'm in my third year of goats. That was the first animal other than a chicken. We had some chickens for eggs. I mean, eight or ten chickens was the most I think we got up to. But uh, we had some chickens, and then that kind of led into me wanting to do something else. And I chose goats because I don't really feel like I have the infrastructure for cattle. They're kind of large. I don't, you know, have really a tractor right now. Uh, I've just recently bought one and going to have, I bought it, you know, needed some repairs, so we're in that process of that as far as the infrastructure. But the goats kind of just came about. I like goats, and, you know, I thought it would be something neat to get into. And then uh, we had a friend, and he gave us some meat. So we use it for our consumption as well as we sell uh, sort of a breeding stock. We have a registered herd along with just some uh, meat goat herd as well. So we got some just for consumption, some for seed stock, and you know, some for show. So we're kind of in a little niche market with a same goat there uh, as well. And then that led to the pigs. And I don't know how that kind of went from goats to pigs, but uh, it just seemed like the right fit at the right time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just seemed like a natural progression. So i got to ask, when it's time to process the goats, since they're the feigning goats, is that you just kind of go out and clap your hands and whoever goes stiff, you just toss them over your shoulder and go on in? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, not really exactly <laughs> like that. You know, of course, it's like everything else. You, 
they're kind of a slow heritage breed or land race breed, so they take about a year to year and a half to get to you know, a size and a weight that you'd want to have processed. Um, they are breeds that are that grow a little faster, and we're kind of actually uh, have bought a buck from one of those breeds and going to do uh, some crossbreeding and try to try to get in that market a little faster for meat goats. And, you know, the processing plants, you know, they do the same. They process them or will cut them just like they do pigs. So you can get a USDA inspected processing and we can sell goat meat as well. And, you know, it also, just like you said, if you wanted to process one of those on your own for your own home, it's kind of like being a deer hunter and, and processing your own deer. They're really about the same, kind of the same way. Yeah, yeah, good deal, good deal. So uh, you, you talked about with the pigs that you were getting, uh, some was convenience and then others, uh, specific breeds that you were trying out. So with, with having those um, those crosses, the Hampshire, Yorkshire, Duroc cross, and then um, now the uh, Hereford, or if my British grandmother was still alive, she'd correct me, it's Hereford. But um, And then uh, you also have some Berkshire cross in that as well, right? So have you have you landed on a yet a breed that you like the best or something you want to explore more? Well, I really like the shape and the size. Uh, I like the shape and the look of my Herefords and, uh, you know, color and all, but they they do tend, and the ones that I have seem to be growing a little bit slower than my either my Berkshire or my Hampshire, Hampshire, Crosses, so I think I think I'm I'm kind of leaning in that Berkshire and Duroc areas. The Berkshire for meat quality from and I can't speak from experience, but from all the reading, they're kind of the you know anybody that talks about meat quality seems to speak of the Berkshire. And then from the Duroc aspect, if you want to talk about speed of growth. You know everything I've read, and there again is YouTube and reading from my only you know five and a half months of experience is that the Duroc has a little, maybe just slightly less meat quality, but outgrows the Berkshire, you know, a little bit faster. So I'm kind of thinking maybe get that cross going. I don't know Berkshire Duroc cross uh, and get some of that you know hybrid vigor as well from not saying. To a pure breed, so I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. Well, sounds like you've done some research and reading up on it, and that's that's key. And then, of course, the experience you get and what you have on farm will be uh, be the real telling point there. So let's um, let's talk about your setup a little bit, and and maybe let's start here, since since you're kind of just breaking into to pigs. What would you say right now, Jamie, has been been your biggest challenge getting into pigs? Oh, I'd say the biggest challenge is knowing. I I guess the biggest challenge is knowing when to move. I'm really wanting to do kind of you know small paddocks and moving them because I don't have a huge large area of space to put them in right at this moment. So. Just trying to get that fine line of, 
you don't want it to look like a moonscape, but you know you want to get as much time out of one area as you can. Um, so the movement on them has been really, really uh, kind of hard to figure out for me. And of course, you think you get it figured out, and then they've gained 50 pounds, looks like overnight, and then you got to move them quickly <laughs> because they're much larger than they was almost a week ago. Seems like. Yeah, they're they're definitely a. Uh a curve to that when it comes to the consumption from day to day as they get bigger. So uh, how do you have your, um, how would you describe your pastures right now? Are you, are you, are you good pristine pasture? Are you kind of overgrown? Are you woodlot? What are you, what are you working with right now? Well, actually I'm working with uh, probably 80% wood and then along the edge of the wood kind of that rolls down into the creek, probably 20% pasture definitely not pristine it was all grown up and the reason uh, my neighbor actually or my yeah my neighbor let me even put pigs there on the lease he was kind of a little bit you know when people think of pigs they think of moon craters of course but he had a set of woods that he wanted cleaned out a little bit that got really overgrown that my goat pasture didn't kind of take in so I talked him into letting me put some pigs on there and uh, we're running a basic uh, like a poly braid uh, with a couple of wires after we've done a training pen and that's what we're keeping them in with they seem to really like the woods more than they like the, just the open pasture or yeah. grass I mean they eat it and root it but they tend to yeah, yeah, especially, I assume, this time of year, there's, that North Carolina sun would uh, would really be encouraging to be in the woods as well. Absolutely. So with that fence set up, as you move them, is that, uh, do you have like a permanent backbone up in the woods and then down near that creek, and then you, you have dividers, or you just, you just kind of doing everything uh, temporary right now just to see how it flows? Well, that, I have a permanent backbone fence. It's a, uh, it's kind of the back side of my goat pasture, which is in uh, like a field fencing. And then I just took a uh, two wires, or actually one wire, and ran along the creek, uh, right on the edge of the bank of the creek. It kind of just zigzags up the creek uh, several, excuse me, several hundred yards. And so I actually have a fence on the top above and a fence below and then I just run temporary wires between the two of them. Yeah. And the bottom one is hot. The of course the one next to the creek is where my basic hot wires, both of those are. And then of course I just use like a a bull nose or a donut insulator and tie it to a post on my uh on the backbone of my fence, my mesh fence, I'll just run a uh, just kind of domino down down the line each time. Just move it, and let them move over, and then I'll put another one up and let them in the new paddock, and then take the wire down. You know, the third wire from behind me. So, two sides of my fence are what you would say permanent, even though one of them is uh, the poly wire. And then the ones in the middle just keep getting moved forward. Yeah, yeah, good deal. Weeks or so. 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. Kind of like a uh, like a one-legged alleyway uh, setup where you're just you're just moving those. What I in my mind, I'm picturing vertical. So you're moving those vertical so you can you can get them to move left to right or right to left pretty easily. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And something that I really found out about that system that works great for me is, of course, you when you get set up for the new paddock, you basically have three wires there, three vertical wires for for a short period of time. And if your pigs don't want to move, I just pull the feeder in and fill it back up, and I just leave, you know, for 30 or 45 minutes, and inevitably every time I come back, they've just walked themselves over, and I gate the other one, you know, the middle wire off, and then I can just go to the one that's the farthest back and roll it up and get ready to move it over to the next one. So Yeah, good deal. I'm like- not really pushing them or, you know, stressing them, I guess. I'm not stressing myself, I guess I should say. <laughs> I'm just sort of letting them do their own thing and move over when need be. Yeah, that's nice. When you when you do that, when you have those individual paddocks and and do that uh, leapfrog uh, process with that wire and be able to um, just let them move at their own pace, usually their their stomachs will uh, win out over their trepidation at some point. I've, that's one thing that I've totally learned. If you want a pig to move, just just let the feeder run out for a few hours, move the feeder, and then pour the food in, and they, their stomachs will do the moving for them. Yeah, no, that's that's how Kelly motivates me most of the time as well. So, yeah, it's, it's very effective for a lot of people. Uh, right. I think my wife would say the same thing. Right. So with that setup, how are you providing water to them? Do you Are you able to take advantage of that creek to be able to pump some water out, or are you transporting, or do you have hose, plumbing, that type of stuff? Well, it's funny you ask. I emailed you, I think, I don't know, back when I first started to, to build the infrastructure, knowing my pigs were coming, and asked you about, you know, how would it do, how would they erode the creek bank and on. And since it's leased land, I didn't let them go into the creek because you said, you know, there would be, they would kind of wear it out coming up and down the bank for sure. Yeah. So my biggest concern was going to be water. And the crazy thing is I started just, again, YouTube and, and just sit at night and look for cheap little pumps. And I actually found what's called a drill pump. Mm -hmm. about the size of a baseball or something. But I hooked my cordless drill to it. I got one end that sets in uh, of the, I got one sort of a suction hose, I guess. It's just a piece of half inch uh, hard plastic pipe that hooks, sets in the creek. And then I just use my cordless drill and uh, I can fill up my 55-gallon barrel, one of them, with one battery in about, honestly, about seven or eight minutes. So oh, it Wow. system has really, I was really skeptical of it, but on Amazon, the price was like 11 bucks, so I really wasn't out that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just, I give it a shot, and the first one I bought was, was not a good one. I bought it. I think Harbor Freight. I don't know if I messed it up or if it tore up and then I bought a different brand, but this second one, you know, I'm, it's, it's just low maintenance and I guess it's kind of to be a farmer and depend so much on a $12 pump, but I've got an extra one if that one goes out and I'm, I've used it for six 
it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you, you have a video on your YouTube channel detailing that, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. a video about that on my YouTube channel as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make sure to put a link to your channel down in our uh, show notes, uh, so you people listening can check that out. So, so you're pumping that water with that drill pump. You set it to a 55 gallon. So you are just you have that in your paddock. Is that uh, set up on pig nipples? How how are you using that? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got uh, I've got the 55 gallon barrel set up in my paddock with uh, pig nipples on it. Actually, I'm running two of them now since it's hot, and I've got in my big paddock with the bigger pigs. I've got seven, you know, that are. Uh, almost seven months old to five, five months to seven months old. I've got seven in there. So I found on a really hot day that that would almost one barrel will not be enough. So I'm running two 55-gallon barrels, and they won't completely empty those, but I just want to make sure they have plenty of water. Yeah. And then I'm running just um, a small kind of bucket system and a bowl system in with my two youngest Herefords that I have that are, they're just about two and a half months old, I think. And I've kind of got them trailing along in the paddock behind the big pigs. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just to tag along there. I, that was what I was going to ask you if you had a separation process. But even with your five-month-old and seven-month-old, um, are they distinguishable enough in color or size that you can tell them apart? Have you tagged them? Have you run into anything there? Well, That's good. So you, you obviously visually identify those, and and sometimes when they get up to that five, you know, five, six, seven months, sometimes they start to fill out about the same. But that's 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 the benefit of having those breed varieties. You can tell who's who pretty quickly. So have you found a need in that situation, especially being in North Carolina with the um, with that setup? Do you have a wallow? Do you, have you found a need for it? Have you been able to accommodate that in any way? definitely understand with the uh, with them finding the springs in all the years I've had pigs I've never created a wallow because they know exactly how to find the spring and how to use that shovel on their face to make it accommodating for them so they they know they know what to do with it when they find it yeah 
one of the small areas that I came through, uh, they created such, just dug out under what looked, you know, just a little uh, pine tree, probably three or four inches through. You would, I had no clue, but now there's water running continuously. And they've got, I would say, 80% of their water out of that spring area that they had dug up themselves. That paddock, I mean, filling up the barrel was pretty, I didn't have to even do it, but almost every other day, that spring running in there. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's where... Yeah, that's 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 infrastructure that can't be purchased. That's where you luck out and you're like, oh yeah, awesome. You know, vein of water right here, we're in good shape. So Jamie, looking uh looking ahead, so it, it looks like you've got you know you've got a processing date coming up here next month in June. Uh, obviously, by the time people hear this, you'll have already processed it. But um, and of course the various ages on these other pigs. But looking ahead a year, two years, what's your short term goal right now with pigs? What are you what are you wanting to do with them, and what improvements do you want to try to make, uh, either infrastructure or property improvements? Well, I think my short-term goal, or kind of a longer-term goal, would definitely be to uh, try my at, at breeding. Uh, actually, I'm going to keep one of the first four that I have and uh, do an AI breeding on it got a friend that has some pigs and he's going to come up and help uh, Chuck down uh, Chuck Lewis, he's running some pigs now and he's going to come up and help me with AI so I'd really like to try my hand at uh, raising my own pigs, farrowing here on the farm and I would like to increase the number of pigs and increase the number of space mm-hmm. uh, I live backed up to my family, we own about, my grandfather who just recently passed, owned about 100 acres here, but it's mostly all in wood. Mm. But again, when I watch your videos, I can see the mountains behind my house that look like what you run your pigs on. Yeah. I really want to give that a try, which will help me have more space, increase the numbers. Um, as far as a barn, I haven't, I don't have a barn for them or infrastructure, but I've been using some calf hutches that I purchased, uh, cheap that were kind of, you know, a little broke up and old from an old dairy uh, place. So I use those for the winter time with straw for them, but yeah. right now they don't even want to be in them. They don't want to be in them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's... I that's... see, I guess, to see myself increasing in numbers increasing in sales, Um, I really, really, really would like to, in a few years, be able to retire from my public job and maybe come home and do, you know, be able to make enough income to kind of do my own farming thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can do that, like the school pension kind of cover the basis, and that way you don't have a big nut to crack with the farm. That'd be a good setup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. All right. So um, what about, uh, you, you already said a barn. Are, are there any additional infrastructure, maybe purchases? I think you said something about maybe a tractor or, or you got a tractor you got to do some work on. Are you, are you looking at any any big investments here over the next couple of years just for your pig operation? Well, I really don't know for the pig operation. I am, I am in the process of, you know, 
that's my first big purchase, you know. And when I say big purchase, it's by no means a new tractor. I've been trying to start small and, and grow into myself. I haven't went out and, you know, kind of borrowed money or nothing to yeah. save pigs. So moving at, my, at a small pace, and sometimes it's sort of a snail's pace almost. But. And then I, I would like to get... Uh, I'd like to get some more feeders, maybe. Uh, I keep seeing um, the big, I don't know, the big bulk feeders. Uh, yeah. They're hard to find in North Carolina, kind of in that used area. And I don't know that I want to, you know, jump into a $2,000 feeder right now. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff gets expensive. Those Osborne I'm feeders get... It. I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't Oh no, no! I just I just agree with those those Osborne feeders. They can get pretty expensive pretty quick, and and I agree with you here. It seems like this side of the Appalachian Mountains, there's not a lot of used equipment. In fact, I had to drive to Central Ohio to find my used one, and it was um, I just lucked into it because a guy just listed it. But but yeah, those those type of infrastructure um, purchases, I I definitely appreciate and respect what you're doing. You grow into it. Because the last thing you want to do is acquire a bunch of debt, and then you got to realize, man, I really got to be out and hustling pork chops to be able to pay for all this debt that I've acquired. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see it happen, but if worse come to worse, my family and friends would have good Christmas presents. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. They would have good pork for Christmas or something, some nice bacon or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I... I really would like to, uh, the hydraulic hog carts, they kind of interest me. I've been looking at them, I think, for a pasture pig farmer that had several. I believe that would be a pretty neat uh, something to have as far as loading and moving and, and transporting to trailers and stuff. But, so I'm going to need some kind of trailer, too, but that, that's another purchase in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that stuff you, you just got to prioritize and figure out what comes first, and and you know, hopefully find some like-minded people around. I've again all the years I've been raising pigs, I still don't need a livestock trailer, but I've got a neighbor who does, and, and so we have a great agreement there that works out. But if that falls through, then that'll have to be a, a purchase um, on the list at some point. But well, well kind of how I've made it in my farming for the last three years. Uh, my cousin, he does some goats farming and we work really hard we work really good together he's got tractor and he's got post driver you know for for fencing and he helps me unload feed and stuff for pigs and goats and I have uh, room to store you know bucks for breeding so I I furnish bucks to breed his goats because he doesn't have packs so you know I've, I found that my community uh, in family, you know, working back and forth, we can help each other as well. And the small farm, homestead kind of aspect of it, uh, there's always that barter system that's worked out really good for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of community and, and having people around you that um, are interested in similar things. That way you can, you can uh, help one another out and, and uh, be a blessing to one another in those situations. Good deal. Well, Jamie, let me. Uh, I'm gonna let you go here soon, but I gotta. I gotta ask you the question I ask everybody. And in your experience so far, what is your favorite part about raising pigs on pasture? 
honestly, my favorite part is after you feed them, just to sit down on the bucket. And mine are pretty, I mean, they're pretty tame. But just sit down in the middle of them feeding and then them start coming rubbing up on your leg or kind of nuzzling or pushing at you or biting on your boots or you start to rub one on its back and it lays down and wants to let you rub its belly or whatever. I just, they're, they're not the dumb animal that a lot of people think they are. They're really, I mean, they're really kind of, they're really fun for me to raise. They're just, I don't know what it is, but just to sit down and scratch a pig's back while you're sitting on the bucket in the paddock is just, just relaxing for me to come home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, after a day at work and, and uh, just come feed my pigs and sit down. Awesome. Yeah. No, I agree. It is extremely entertaining. It's way more entertaining than anything you can watch on television these days. So. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, Jamie, if people want to find out more about Seven Stands Farm, where can they find you online? Uh, Seven Stands Farm on Facebook. I have that. Uh, of course, you've already said I have Seven Stands Farm YouTube channel, and I'm working on a website, which I don't have that up yet. So, But Seven Stands Farm on Facebook is the easiest way to find me. All right. Well, I'll share that in our show notes so you guys can, uh, those of you listening, can check that out if you'd be so inclined. Well, Jamie, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, and, and man, I hope, um, hope like me, uh, I hope we both get some rain sometime soon. I'm, I think we're forecasted to get it tomorrow, so hopefully you'll get some of it too, and we can get some of these uh, dry spots filled back in. Well, thank you very much for having somebody with as little experience as I have on there. I sure do appreciate it. Oh, no. No, it's good. I, I love talking to uh, you know all the eclectic variety of, of guests that we have, but I, I do enjoy talking to, to startups just to see uh, what what people are getting into, and I, I think it I think it really helps encourages other people, helps encourage, excuse me, other people that are thinking about starting and hear that, you know, okay, it, it doesn't, you just did a great example of showing it doesn't take a ton of startup capital it doesn't take a ton of land it doesn't take all these huge investments you just start at a point and get going so no i think it, i think it provides great insight and i appreciate you sharing thank you all right man well i pray you have a good evening and good rest of the week and we'll talk to you later well i appreciate jamie coming on the podcast and sharing his experiences with us as he's starting out you know, I think some of you that have, have reached out to me or I've reached out to you, we've had some discussion, are a little reluctant because you just don't have a lot of experience under your belt and you're, you're kind of worried that what can I really add to the conversation. But I find those conversations just as intriguing as people that have had years and years of experience, simply because it's one of those things we can we can all remember back to those days of first starting out, uh, kind of um, can either be nostalgic for us, it can actually make us a little uh, nauseous. <laughs> As we think of some of the things we went through, but uh, I just love all the different perspectives we get in these interview processes, and I hope you guys enjoy them too. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out uh, our Patreon supporters. Again, I appreciate all of those who have taken the time to go on Patreon, support what we're doing here, and help invest in the expansion of this. We are so close to reaching our first 20 supporter benchmark where we'll turn on some additional features that I'm, I'm hoping to have ready by then. So I'm hoping the two will collide about the same time. <laughs> but um, just want to enhance 
the media presence of pastured pigs when it comes to audio and, and digital presence and those type of things just continue to hopefully be an asset to those of us that are raising pigs on pasture. So check that out if you haven't. Again, just as little as $5 a month would be a great help for us and allow us to move up to the, the next level. Still keeping our fingers crossed that our IT situations will improve here as soon as Starlink technology becomes available. Where They said it would be uh, before the end of 2021, so here we are uh, wrapping up, almost to wrap up the eighth month, so there's um, just you know, a handful of months left, so hopefully we'll get that and that will allow me to have much better audio quality and uh, some other key features that we can add, even do some live chats, hopefully in the future. All right. Well, I appreciate everyone listening and appreciate the feedback. If you would like to be on the podcast or you know of a topic you'd like us to discuss, by all means, visit redtoolhouse.com forward slash pastured pig podcast. And just give me a comment there in our contact form and we'll see what we can do. All right. I pray everyone have a great week. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the pastured pig podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.